0: Today we continue on in our study of Colossians chapter 1, and today we'll be looking closely at Colossians 1 verses 15 through 20. And one of the things that I love about this passage is that it is really Paul raising the theological banner and saying, This we believe about Christ. And it was important as the early church was laying its foundations uh, to make sure that the theology of the church, the teachings of the church, especially on essential things like what the church believed about the person and identity of Christ, what the church believed about the Holy Spirit and about God and about the sacraments and all of those things, was built on a solid foundation so that there was... Uh, a unity in the beliefs that were being taught in um, being expressed in pulpits throughout the the churches that that were springing up um, one of the reasons it was very important to establish this foundation was that there was competition within the ranks of the Christian movement. Um, there were false teachers, there were people uh, bringing heretical teachings in that were Partially true, but uh, they were blending in and syncretizing other beliefs and other practices, and so it was very important to Paul that the church be built on a solid foundation of belief, and uh, this is one of those teachings. And today we unpack the Christology of Paul. Um, that's the theological term for the study of Jesus. Quite a bit throughout his letters, Paul would make statements about Jesus, and um, these would be clear and indisputable uh, statements of belief. But it culminates here in Colossians 1, 15-20, in a concise and beautiful expression of uh, the church's early stance on who Jesus was and his identity. And so these beautiful words uh, remain relevant and true for us today. A couple thousand years uh, from the time that Paul penned these words in his letter to the Colossians. And so as we begin today, let's uh, ask the Lord that He might prepare our hearts to receive what He has for us. Heavenly Father, we thank You on this Friday uh, for another week um, behind us. And uh, the temptation often, Lord, is to go back through the mistakes of the week and uh, unpack those things in our minds and uh, wrestle with choices we could have made differently and things we could have said differently. And your grace says, stop it, put the brakes on, take a break, Uh, breathe deeply, rest in my grace and peace and comfort. And so, Lord, we want to rest in your word today. Uh, We can't get back the things that are behind us, but we can move on and you and have a new day, a fresh start each and every day. So we give you the thanks uh, for your mercies, which are renewed for us today in faithfulness to your word. And uh, we just give you thanks, Lord God, that every new day is a new start in Christ. Father, come alongside of us with your spirit to teach, inspire, encourage, convict, Challenge and move us with your word today as we study it together, we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and we give you thanks for him most of all. in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, let's dig right into Colossians 1:15 through20. Paul writes these words: "The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible." Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. "...whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Powerful words for us to consider this morning. There's kind of three or so themes present here in the statements that Paul makes about Jesus. Uh, First and foremost, um, we see that he establishes Jesus as the Creator. And he establishes the pre-existent nature of Christ... If you are a pre-existent being, in other words, you have existed for all time, you always have been and always will be, uh, that you existed before the creation of the universe, then you are a being, an entity, uh, that one could say is all-powerful. Uh, if you existed before time and space and you were present uh, in the void of the darkness before the universe was made, um, and uh, that would describe you, then you are all supreme. And uh, so Paul very carefully establishes Jesus as creator. There are several things that he says that uh, indicate that that's true. He says, uh, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. So everything that we see uh, both visible to us and invisible. We we have no concept of the heavens, but uh, Jesus is the creator of all that we see and all that we are yet to see. And then Paul uh, deftly um, ties in his uh, words in verse 19. He says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So we see that he's creator and that Paul is establishing him as divine as God himself. So uh, Jesus was the creative vessel through um, whom the universe came to be, and he was preexistent with the Father. If you're preexistent um, before all time, you are God. And, and so Paul says some interesting things. He says uh, Jesus came as uh, the fullest representation of God, that if you see Jesus, you see God. In Christ, he reveals the person, nature, and character of God himself. And so to see Jesus is to see God. To know Jesus is to know God. Uh, Jesus gives us a vivid and visible picture of who our loving Heavenly Father is. So He's Creator, but He's also God. Um, He was before all things. And Paul says, "...in Him all things hold together." Now that is a beautiful, beautiful image, Uh, and I spent some time yesterday pondering this passage before uh, teaching on it today, and I was thinking about the beautiful way in which Jesus holds everything together, and, and imagining what my life, what our nation, what our world, what our universe would be like if God lifted His hand from our lives. If He lifted His hand from the universe, and we can only imagine that everything we've come to know would suddenly spin into chaos, and our lives would be nothing like what we know them to be. It is the fact that God in His mercy and grace holds everything together, that we have any hope in this life. If God would lift His hand, we can't even imagine the sorrow and the chaos and the pain and the destruction and the and the hurt that this world would cause us. And yet even still, with His hand on our lives, we experience uh, many, many painful things that we that we uh, surrender to Him and try to learn uh, the lessons from. But I'm so grateful for His hand in my life holding me together. There have been times of pain and heartbreak in my life where I was wandering into places where, in all truthfulness, His hand of mercy should have been lifted from my life, but He refused to lift His hand from my life. And He He persisted in protecting me, even in places where, uh, I was wandering that I should not have been, and even when I didn't care, uh, He refused to lift His hand from me, and that's true in your life as well. Whether your life is spinning into chaos right now, or whether your life is motoring along with relative ease, please know this, God's hand is holding your life together, and He will continue to do so because He is committed to getting each of us home. And that gives my heart such hope today, and I hope it does you as well. So trust that he's holding it all together for you and always will. Um, it also says that He is the head of the church. Uh, some churches would say that we need popes and bishops and things like that to, uh, to lead us and to intercede for us. But uh, Paul clearly says Jesus is the head of the church. No greater authority exists. He is supreme above all and uh, he is the head. We don't need a pope. We don't need bishops. We don't need ecclesiastical leaders telling us uh, what it means to know God. We need Jesus, and he is our head, and he's faithful to send his spirit to teach us and guide us, and I'm grateful for his headship. Now, the big question for us is, will we surrender to it? Will we surrender our lives to his leadership, his lordship in our lives? Uh, Paul continues to talk about Jesus' work as Savior, that God sent him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so again, we have a little theology there. He's talking about Jesus' uh, role as Savior and Lord, the one who would sacrifice and die uh, to rescue us from our sins. And so I'm so grateful for this teaching. I'm grateful for the way that Paul so clearly identifies Jesus for who he is. And um, we can be confident in the teachings of Scripture. They have stood the test of time. The church has put them to the test over the years. And the canon of Scripture that we are left with is sufficient uh, for us to know God. We find that In any era of life, these words are relevant and trustworthy and true, and we put our hope in Jesus, and we're grateful for His words as they teach and instruct and come alive in us. Uh, The Bible reminds us that God has written His Word on our hearts, and so we are never without the spiritual resources we need uh, to get through this life. My friends, be encouraged today by His Word. I pray that you'll have a great weekend, and I'll look forward to uh, talking with you guys next week. God bless, and have a great weekend.